So you may be asking yourself, if you're listening, how can I growing up in my environment, what I've been through my experiences, how can I begin to change my life and chase entrepreneurship? Or, you know, even if you're decide to be an employee, how can you get additional streams of income? How can you do a side hustle? How can I get my mind right for that when that's not what I know? Welcome back to the About That Water podcast show number 28. A journey into entrepreneurship with Tyra Shivers from Act Leadership. I actually had a really good time with uh, Tyrus as we went through his life and understanding on his mindset around entrepreneurship, uh, around life in general, and also how he was able to turn a lot of the aspects into his in his life to be more of an educational piece for him. I really want you to at least take something from this particular episode, whether it's a mindset shift, take time out to be grateful, gratitude uh, with the things that you do have, and also the people that are around you that are supporting you, even though you don't know that they are. But ultimately, I really want to say that I am thankful for all of you who are supporting the show uh, today. And those of you who are new to the show, uh, please take time out to like and subscribe. I really do appreciate those of you who actually gave me five stars on Apple uh, because it really helps me boost up the charts a little bit to kind of show that people are actually interested. My blog is slowly coming along. I actually did my first post, uh, I think last week. So I'm slowly building out the website. You can check it out at aboutthatwallet.com. And hopefully I will have some more free stuff coming up on the show. Not on the show specifically, but definitely on the website. So as you, as I grow and learn more things, I will definitely start uploading more interesting uh, information onto the website as well. And I will be coming out with a debt calendar something that I used when I was getting out of debt. So uh, stay tuned for that. And I'll definitely let everybody know when it comes out. Anyway, let's get on to the show with Tyrus. These within your life. How are you doing today, Tyrus? I'm doing well, Anthony. How's it going? I'm doing all right. So for those of people who never heard of you, never heard of Act Lee Consulting, can you kind of explain or just give the listeners a little bit about yourself? So my name is Tyrus again. I am from a very small town in Uriah, Alabama. And when I say small, I'm talking about no grocery store, no McDonald's, one street light, small, that kind of small. Wow. Some people like to call it the country. <laughs> and so in my life, I saw and I grew up around hardworking individuals. Everyone had a sense of we have to work hard. This is how we're going to make it. I mean, between my grandparents, my great grandparents, especially coming up in the South during segregation, they knew that in order to make it, you needed the education and you needed to work hard. Now, as I was growing up, I said, this can't be the way just working hard 12 hours, 15 hour days, not making a lot of money, still barely getting by. And so at an early age, I knew that I wanted to do something different. And at eight years old is when I kind of started my entrepreneurial journey. And it was printing business cards. I saw that the church, you know, we're all involved in the church, very heavy in the South. They had programs for all the events, all the pastors appreciation, the choir anniversary. I'm like, who print these programs? <laughs> and so my aunt, she was responsible for getting them done. And I said, you know what? I think I can do this. I can print them. I can create them. And with some help, I was able to do that. And that was my first business. Now, fast forward today, and we'll keep it real short. I run Act Leadership and Management Consulting, which teaches business owners, corporations and other organizations, how to communicate effectively, how to scout talent, put the right people in the right seat, and also how to just resolve conflict between team members, employees, and clients. And between that time, I've done a lot, seen a lot, <laughs> but that is kind of that quick A to Z 
but getting to where I am right now. Nice. So what got you into, um, so was like money something that you guys talked about in the past and your household when you're growing up? Having the lack of (laughs) (laughs) conversation. And then other than that, not really, because my mom was a hard worker. She worked two jobs from, she still worked two jobs. And it's by choice now because she loves what she does. She's a teacher and then she does foster care. So, um, but before that, I remember watching her work two jobs in factories. If she wasn't working two jobs, she was working 16 hour shifts. And so I understood that there was money needed. And where we were from, if you didn't have a skill set, you didn't make a lot of money. So the conversation was around let me go to work so I can have what we need. No conversation about investing, no conversation about owning real estate, no conversation about generational wealth. It was all a survival thing to me or survival conversation. Yeah, um, cause I can relate to that. And usually in my household, it was just, you know, hey, if you wanted something, no, we can't get it. Or don't touch yeah. that when you go inside the store. Um, you know, if you touch it, it was pretty much you guys making it, you know, when you got home. So were there any lessons that you guys, uh, like from your parents that you really um, still use today? Oh, work ethic, that you got to work for everything that you want, what you need. There are no handouts. Um, Some of the things that I would say are negative that I'm overcoming, but that has helped me was don't lean on other people too much because you need to be in control of your own destiny. Don't put it in other people's hands. Um, My father was in prison when I was growing up uh, from when I was in the fifth grade until after I graduated high school, he was in prison. So I didn't have that um, example in my life, that, that leadership, that male role. And but before he went to prison and after he got out, he still worked hard, too. He was a hard worker. And, you know, he just got caught up in the wrong things for the pursuit of having more money. <laughs> so that was a downfall for him. But when he got out, he worked and he worked. And the lessons I took from him was my dad was a person that he was only going to do what he said he was going to do. He wasn't going to sugarcoat it and he wasn't going to lie to you. So I remember asking him when I went to college and decided not to do the right thing the first time (laughs) and I lost my scholarship and I went to work at UPS and I was working at movie gallery Mm -hmm. and I'm like, this can't be the way this can't be the way. And I called my dad and I was like, I was in my, I was about 18, 19. And I said, you know, can I come stay with you a while, work with you? Cause he had a construction business. He was a painter. He was a carpenter. He was like, no. I said, what? <laughs> he didn't give it like, no. It was quick. It was a fast no. And I'm like, no, you're my dad. He was like, well, and I'm going to keep it G for the podcast. But what basically what he told me, it was only going to be one man in his house. And my brothers were there, my younger brother, but they were still in school. So they were younger. But he would not allow me to come live under him as a man. And so that is something that I take today that, okay, I got to stand on my own two feet. And as a man, I have responsibility and I have to execute on my responsibilities. Got it. So, you know, during those years, did you have a male role model while he was out? So I had my great uncles. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got you. I have my great uncles. I have some cousins. Um, One of my cousins, he owns an HVAC company now in Alabama. He really, really guided me per se. Um, He was he's four years older than me. So I was in high school. He was, when I was in ninth grade, he was a senior basketball. Everybody loved him. Um, Very great at what he did. And when I went to work at UPS, he was the one that got me the job. He was out there. Nice. (laughs) And we started working for our other cousin who owned the HVAC company at the time. And so I was with him a lot. I stayed with them. Um, When I got, when my dad told me, no, I went to stay with them. (laughs) His brother. So, you know, um, those were my male role models, but as a parent figure, I didn't have one, not as a father figure, because he's just my older cousin. He's right, you know, right there with me. 
And so I did not have a, um, uh, my other uncles were working and people were just not there. So there were men around, but they weren't there to give that guidance. Gotcha. So did this, um, this guidance, did it come from like books or you're just out here in the streets and just enjoying it or? So most of the guidance came from either my mom or seeing my grandmother or my great grandfather, hearing them talk the lessons, the things. It was really my great grandfather who had all the lessons, the, cause he was born in 1919. And so every day when we walked to school, he would say, learn all you can cause you're going to need it. And he sat on that porch and in the afternoons, when we would come home, he would tell stories about, you know, I didn't, at eight years old, I was chopping cotton for a dime a week. <laughs> His father had died uh, when he was a young boy. So that's, he had to go work at that age, like real work. And from then, I mean, from hauling wood to garbage to he went in the army. He didn't learn how to read until he got into the army. All those things he carried with him and taught us and talked about. And so the mindset of having to work, needing the education, and then for some reason, I just had this feeling that there was something else out there more than that, because I saw some people are really successful. And then there are some people who own all the land, like where we lived, my grandparents, my family, we own the land where we lived, they called the quarters. And it was the old slave quarters back when there was slavery. And we still grew up in that area, but they all own the land. The black people own the land because the white man sold it to them. And there were two people in my town that owned all the land. And it was a founder. His name was James Uriah Blackshear. So Uriah is named after him. And the school, J.U. Blackshear is named after him. And then there were the Garrett's. They had this big, huge plantation home. It's now a, like a museum they turned it into. They own, they, it's like they divided up all the land and owned it. So I'm like, okay, somebody can own all of this. How did, how did that happen? We only get acre here, acre there because they chose to sell it. So how could I get there? And from that early age, you know, I started thinking about what could I do to be in a better position? So when did that mindset come to play? Was this something that you came across when you were in high school or after? So the mindset came to play when I was in high school. Um, really, when I was younger, when I was about eight, when I started printing those business cards. I mean, we sold pencils. We used to, <laughs> for book fair, we used to go buy all the pencils up and erasers and stuff. And then me and two other my classmates would sell them at a, at a higher price. Right. And from there, I'm like, okay, this is how business works. We, we were learning business. One of my classmates' father was a peanut farmer and he owned his own farm, owned his tractors and they were, they were pretty well off. And so I knew that there was business. I didn't know how to get into it. So the idea has always been with me. And I think it took after I got out of the military for it to really set in and I've started to breathe and chase entrepreneurship all right well i want to say thank you for your service sir for uh, going into the military i know that um was that something that you wanted to do from the beginning or just kind of um as like a plan b so that was a plan b and this comes right after the whole movie gallery ups like <laughs> i knew that wasn't it and i was like okay i can't go stay with my dad I didn't want to go live with my mom because she had moved to New Mexico, which was far from Alabama. And I didn't want to go out there. And then the only other place I had to go was back to my grandma in my grandma's house where I grew up. And I knew that there were no opportunities there, no jobs. So I was trying to figure out what to do. And so my mom's sister, my aunt, her husband, he had been in the Air Force for at that time, probably 15 years. And he came from Trinidad. And when he came here from Trinidad, he went directly to the military. I think he was like 18, 19. And he stayed. And I asked him, I said, um, Uncle Darrell, why did you join the military? And why did you stay? And he said, because I had no other choice. I had nothing else. And he, then he said, the military has been good to me. I was able to get my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, and really excel in the military. So I was like, 
I can do that. You know, I can go in and I can make these changes. And then my goal at that point watching him was, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to enlist active duty. And then I'm going to go and train. They call it OTS officer training school after you're in a couple of years and I'm going to be an officer and then I'm going to be career military. So that was the plan. Okay. <laughs> Did you actually finish everything or it just kind of. No. <laughs> and this is where mindset comes into play. Okay. And this is where life, because people talk about their goals and I know we'll probably hit this a little bit later, but people talk about their goals and they talk about where do you see yourself in 10, 20 years? Had you asked me that, at that point, I would have told you, well, I'm going to be a military officer and 20 years from now, I'm going to retire. But I was diagnosed with a medical condition that was incompatible with the Air Force. So I was separated based on that. And that took away that dream, that vision, that goal, that hope. And so now my mindset is, you know what, I do short term planning to execute, but I don't put everything on one thing because you never know how the future will change and the things that happen and occur in your life that's out of your control. So for the young people that are listening to the show as well, and they are on the fence of joining the military, is there anything that you would like to talk to them or tell them? Absolutely. I absolutely recommend everyone to join the military. And I'm a person to where you know, I am with mandatory service, two, three years, just like in Korea. When I was in Korea, all the young Koreans, they have to do three years minimum, every male. And why? Why would I say that? Because the military gives you some advantages that you don't get anywhere else. Discipline, camaraderie, understanding how to follow rules, lawful orders. Um, they they help transition you because the military basically basic training breaks you down so they can build you up it takes away the negative habits that you have to build you up you talk about people who can't quit smoking you go to the military basic training you can't smoke you quit smoking you don't eat chocolate you don't get candy you don't eat the fast food all that stuff is eliminated but people who just can't seem to work out you can work out because you're going to work out every day and you're going to PT. So those things help establish healthy habits. And also you're able to get an education. If you choose on their dime, you're able to live in base housing, get the commissary stipend healthcare that a lot of people don't have. There are people struggling when you don't have to, because you can go and serve, do your job that's, assigned to you and be okay now you're not gonna get rich in the military because you you know the pay isn't that great at, at the starting levels and you have to build yourself up but you have foundation you could get your education there you can get job training so any career that you want to be in on the outside you can go do four years in the military have that four years of training and come out with a bachelor's nice. so that is a gateway into many other organizations who will then look and say, okay, this person went and served. They have discipline. They have work ethic. They have um, the ability to work as a team because those are the things that the military gives you. So I would highly recommend even starting in junior ROTC in high school, getting into ROTC in college, and then going straight active duty and, and do as long as you want. I say sign up for six years because four goes fast and six years gives you the ability to get settled. You go through basic training, you go through your training school, technical training, and then you get to actually experience what real duty is. Got it. So going through all of this, when you were in the military, was your dad still in uh, jail or was he out by then? He was out by then. He got out right after I graduated high school. So he was out a couple of years. But at that point, we didn't have a very close relationship. We rarely talked. Um, so when I went in, that is actually when I started talking to him a little more. I was in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and this was 2007. That's when I really started to 
just give them a call, just have a conversation and um, really put those things to bed that were negative between us. I decided that, you know what, I have some questions for him. I'm going to ask these questions and no matter what he says, I'm going to forgive and we're going to move forward because I wanted a relationship and that's what I didn't have. So the things that were keeping us apart were not worth not having a relationship over. Yeah, that's really, um, that had to be a pivotal point in your lifetime too. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure for his, cause I can't speak on his behalf, of course, and I'm sure you can't either, but I think having that relationship back with your father, was that, um, did that help mend your family bond as far as you, your dad, and also your mom as well? So um, my mom had moved away. She was in New Mexico. Their bond really stopped at that point. I was the, you know, the common denominator for them. But other than that, he had remarried um, years and years and years ago and had my brothers, uh, my sister. So their bond, you know, it was cordial. And my stepmom and my mom was always cordial. And actually, my stepmom, I talk to her regularly now she has always treated me as if I was one of her kids. I see a lot of family drama over that. I see a lot of people go through that. The stepmom and the mom and the dad, nobody gets along, but I didn't have that experience. And when my dad was in prison, I still went and stayed with my siblings and my stepmom. They were there for me. They treated me as if I was one, you know, one of them and not an outside um, child. So, you know, that relationship was always good. We didn't have those issues or I didn't, she probably did more for me than my dad ever did. You're listening to the About That Wallet podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. If you are enjoying this episode or finding anything useful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere on the internet. It is one of the best ways you can help new listeners find me, such as yourself. You can always support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash about that wallet or anchor.fm forward slash about that wallet. That's powerful <laughs> because, you know, to have someone that's not, I guess, of blood to actually look out for you mm-hmm. in that aspect. And and that's where I always kind of wrestle with the dynamic of family because um, family is a little, it's a lot more than blood. It's, as we both know, and family is just, um, it's so many things that, yeah. We, we really can't dive into right now on this show. But ultimately, um, having that split of parents, when I guess you could say kind of having a stable household in the sense where your dad and your stepmom were working things out um, as a family unit, did that impact your mindset on financials as far as you know, when you come to dating, do you actually keep the funds to yourself because things may not work? Or do you um, try to work on this uh, aspect when it comes to marriage to blend all of your finances together? So from their perspective, I have no idea how they work the money, um, how things really work, because that wasn't a conversation. It just, from that perspective, it wasn't had. Um, I knew that my dad had went to prison because of things he gotten into for more money. And when he got out of prison, he had a mindset shift and change as well. And as he got a little bit older, and I, when I say older, he wasn't very old. Um, my dad has since passed, but he started to change. And after I got in the military and got out and our relationship grew, he stopped chasing money so much and I think he was content where he was and so that was around yeah 2000 
2009 is when I was separated from the Air Force and we started our relationship. And then just a couple of years later, he passed away from cancer at 49. Sorry to hear. So this is for the listeners out there. If you have family rifts, if you have things that are separating you, don't allow things that are separating you. You can always do your part. And my part was to ask those questions, offer that forgiveness. Now, you can't force the other person to come back into a relationship, but you can actually do your part and let some things go. You can remember them, but don't let them control you because once we mended our relationship, so to speak, we only have a short few years where we plan to do a whole lot of stuff together. And those things didn't happen. And so my dad wasn't old. He was 49 years old. So you don't have, I hear some people say, well, I can wait it out or whenever that person's ready. Sometimes you might not have those years. And as we see with everything that's going on now in this pandemic, whether people subscribe to it or not, there are people who are passing away. I've known several people that passed away from this thing and not in the old age, like they want to say, well, it's only old people and sick people. No, I have known some young people in their 30s, 40s. So think about that. Get your relationships together. I know this is about that wallet, but (laughs) you can't make great money and enjoy it if your relationships are bad. It's not all about that. Right. And that's one thing about this show is that it's more about the behaviors. Um, This is more about understanding the mindset because money ultimately, it doesn't have feelings. It does whatever you tell it to do. It attracts what it likes. And if you're not speaking that language, you're not gonna get it. And that's one of the things that I really wanna kinda go through with as I go along with this particular podcast is to share that, you know, understanding how um, things function inside different environments because real estate is one environment um you know car dealership is one environment every like money works within the rules and the parameters that are set so having that mindset really helps out a lot and the reason why i keep asking about like how do you feel financially as you go through with your parents is because a lot of the research that I came across and psychologically um, impact you from the age of eight. So whatever your mindset is around the age of eight, around money, kind of helps build those habits to where you are today, even though you subconsciously think about it. But um, so that's the reason why I was asking about how did it affect you directly uh, as you were going through, uh, even in the military, and with your parents being split, uh, your whole mindset about uh, your finances at that point. Yeah, didn't have a true mindset. My mindset about money probably started to really change in 2013, 2014. And this is where my entrepreneurial journey took off. I was out of the military. I was working um, in IT. Since I went into the military, another bonus that you can get is a security clearance, depending on what job you get. And had I not had that, I probably would not have been able to get a job coming out. And my wife was still active duty. So we were okay, but I needed to work. And so I took a job, um, just basically in IT. And when I say that, I wasn't doing anything great. I was breaking down computers. I was taking out old memory, old hard drives and, and putting them, putting new ones in and shipping them out, stacking them up, refreshing is what they call it. So just labor work. And I'm like, this is the work that I said I wasn't going to do. All <laughs> I don't want to stack up hundreds of computers a day and wrap them up. And I was working in like a manufacturing facility. Right. And that's what I grew up hearing. And I was like, no, this ain't what I want to do. So I went to, a, I started looking at real estate. I started thinking about how can I make more money and get myself out of this position? So I started looking at real estate. And in 2014, I went to a meeting. It was the BWI meetup. And I seen this guy, his name was Kenneth Gills. 
And Kenny was a big guy, probably 6'2". He had to be a bit of two-something, 250, but all muscle. Big smile, commanded the crowd, really energetic. And he was just talking about all the things he had done in real estate. And he was active. He had been uh, prior military, had been active dude. I think it was Navy. And he had, I don't think he retired. I'm not 100% sure, but he got into real estate after that. So, and I'm pretty sure he, he didn't retire because he always talked about, I had a good job in the DOD in the military, but I decided that I needed to do more. And so I started to follow him and like, I want to get in real estate. But at that point, didn't have the money, didn't have resources, didn't have knowledge. So I started researching, started reading. Here's something for the listeners, write this down. When you want to start something, don't wait on somebody to guide you. Start researching once you get interested. Because there's a law out there called the law of diminishing intent. When we're very excited about something, we intend to do it. And if we don't do it right when we're excited, intent begins to diminish over time. And so sometimes people will say, you know, I was so excited about doing X, Y, or Z, but then my life got in the way, my job got in the way, and I just never did it. That's when intent diminishes and you never take off. So I met with him. I kept going to the meetings and I felt once I felt like I had enough knowledge from reading, from YouTube, from just looking on the internet, I approached him and I said, look, I want to get into real estate. I don't have a lot of money. One way I think I can do it is through property management because I can manage properties for other people is their property. So they're, they're paying me to manage their property repairs. They have to pay. Only thing I'm responsible for payment wise is software because I need to be able to run this reports and just have a system in place. And Kenny was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I can help you. And I said, well, will you mentor me? Here's another thing to write down. Remember, mentorship doesn't mean free. Because when he said the word, I when I said mentor, he said, sure. I said, okay. And I thought it was going to be free. <laughs> And so we had, he said, meet me. It was at a Panera Bread in Maryland, in Columbia, because that's where I am now. He was like, let's meet and let's just have a conversation. And so we met. And after we talked, he was like, yeah, you're the type of person that I would like to mentor. I would like to help and build you and help you through this business. And then at the end, and I was feeling good inside. And then he slid me a piece of paper <laughs> that had his prices on it. And so... I was like, wow, I really don't have this money. Like I had it, but I don't really have it. This, this is something that, and here's another thing to write down, write down the word sacrifice. There are some things that when you want something, you're going to have to sacrifice and make an investment. See, that's a term that most people, especially from the South and from where I grew up, don't understand. We understand price and cost. When I looked at it, it was, what is this costing me? And when you pay for something and it costs you, you feel like you lose. But when you make an investment and you use that terminology, you expect a return on your investment that's greater. So when he sent it to me, it was a year mentorship package for $5,000. And I said, Ooh. and he said, but think about this. I will help take you to where you won't be able to go as fast as you want, I can take you there faster. And so I signed it, gave him a check, and we started. And Kenny helped me go from zero properties managed to over 100. It was close to 150 in the first year. Wow. wow. Without him, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Without his knowledge, his expertise, his connections, his network. See, when you get a mentor, you're not just getting one person that tells you how to do X, Y, and Z or to guide you. You're getting a person who, if it's the right mentor, they have knowledge in the game that you're trying to play. And like you said earlier, real estate is one of those games. There are rules. There's a language. And once you learn it, you play by the rules. Um, I did an interview with a guy that he built. I met him when he was just starting and he had, he wanted to buy rental properties. And at that point, I think it's been three, four years. He's went from zero to 22 units that he owns. And he likes to say no to process, trust the process, no to game. 
So you have to know the game and then trust the process. And that really helped me mentally start to prepare. Okay, this is a mindset thing. This isn't physical. This is using my mind. And Kenny used to say, if I wanted to have more wealth, I had to think wealthier thoughts. So now I'm not paid by what I'm doing. I'm paid by the ideas that I can think of. I'm paid by the problems I can solve. And so that's what really got me into entrepreneurship and changing my mindset. Wow. So that's a lot to unpack right there. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to dive into all that right now, but um, because I probably have to have you on for another episode for that. But if your dad were to see you today, um, what would you actually tell him? Today, if I was able to speak to my dad, I would just really, you know, I wouldn't tell him anything because when he passed away, we we had we were on great terms. We we had a relationship, we had a connection, we had a vision. If he was able to hear me, I would just tell him that one, your other my my brother is doing well. You raised him good. He he's a man with his own family. He's doing well, and that you know everything's fine. We're good. Um, the lessons that you did instill are there, they're present. And just to show that gratitude and appreciation. Uh, and if your mom gets one of this episode, what would you tell her? Oh man. I talk to my mom every day. Uh, she knows that life, that she, my life is a direct reflection of the work that she put in. She also knows. And if she gets wind that there will be a point to where she won't have to work those two jobs unless she wants to. And that she'll always be taken care of and she doesn't have to worry about that. A lot of parents can't say that. A lot of parents have rifts with their children and then they divide or separate it and their parents struggle. My mom and then my step parents as well, or my parents in law, not step parents, and my stepmom too. When I get to a state, they will not have to go back into work after they retire. I will make sure that they are taken care of and that their things are done because my journey in entrepreneurship isn't so I can be rich and sit on top of a mountain and feel good. My journey at entrepreneurship is to create generational wealth and add value back to those around me. That's awesome. <clears throat> and I mean, this is, so many ways to go from there um, because adding value is one of the things that we always tend to forget is that we actually are adding value to others. And, but also some people give too much value to the point where they actually lose themselves mm -hmm. uh, in that process. So um, being of such with that mentorship, I know it seemed like the $5,000 at this point, does it feel like the $5,000 was worth it? Or was it just kind of a, you know, it's chump change at this point, because it was like, it took me from zero to, you know, 200 miles an hour, in like seconds, almost. Yeah, it was definitely worth it every single penny. And when I look back, I'm like, yeah, five grand is easy to drop. Because now I'm around individuals and in circles where the fee is 20000 fee is 50000 So I know individuals, and Kenny was in a group as well where Barbara Corcoran was in that group. So when you have connection, at this point, I'm connected with people in other circles that 5000 is not a lot. It, it's not even, it doesn't even dent the, the pocket for them. And you have to pay for the value you're looking for. Here's the thing that a lot of people talk about in entrepreneurship. I want to get into business. Well, you have to make investments to get into business. Um, my, comp my company that I own now with my partners, what we do is business consulting. And we come across a lot of new entrepreneurs who don't want to pay in order to be consulted. But I'm like, think about how are you going to run your business if you don't have money? And that's not always to say that you can't. There are ways that you can bootstrap yourself and run your business, but we should not be looking at that as the way to do it because it makes it infinitely harder. 
to do so. And if I'm scrapping to make my business work, there's struggle there. There is, you, you have to have delayed gratification. You have to sacrifice. You can't get everything you want and need if you're trying to bootstrap your business. So there are ways around it. There are things that you can do, but making investments into your personal development, your growth, and your business growth will take you there faster. Like you said, I could, I would have probably reached where I am now. And I can't even say that because Katie taught me so many things that I'm not sure how I would have reached the information or gotten there and continued. And today, you know, Kenny passed away as well. A few years, he passed actually nine months after my dad did. And he was 42, 43. It's too young. So from a heart attack, and he was the one that was in good shape. And the night he passed away, he went to Ben's Chili Bowl in D.C. And he had posted, he was like, I'm leaving Ben's Chili Bowl. I got to what he did like 20,000 steps a day. I got to walk this off tomorrow. And then tomorrow didn't come. Wow. So these are things that as I see this, as I witness it, you got to live life now and make the right choices to get to where you want to be. Now, I'm sure he was happy. He was successful. He had um, a fiance and he had beautiful children. And so he had a great life, but still 42, 43 is very young. Yeah. That's not a long life. That's not our, and Alex Trebek, everybody, you know, sad about his passing. When I look at that, Alex was 80. Right. He got to enjoy a long life. So we're, we're, and you know, I'm not so focused on longevity because Martin Luther King said, you know, I would like to live a long life, but I just want to do God's will. That was his end thing. That's my thing. I would like to live a long life, but now I make every single day count because I can't bank on that. I can't count on that. There's no guarantee. So let me live every day in value, serving, giving back, increasing my knowledge, becoming more self-aware. And I, I'm going to let you go and ask your question, but I definitely want to hit on some mindset things um, that will help along this journey. Okay. I mean, you can just go on, dive right into the mindset. Go ahead. Okay. So we're all human individuals. We all think differently. We're all raised in our experiences, our environment. And like you said, especially with money, our thought process around money begins at an early age. So how do then, it was Earl Nightingale that said, how can a person start from scratch who has no particular advantage in the world reach goals that he feels are important to him and by doing so make a major contribution to others? So you may be asking yourself if you're listening, how can I, growing up in my environment, what I've been through, my experiences, how can I begin to change my life and chase entrepreneurship? Or, you know, even if you decide to be an employee, how can you get additional streams of income? How can you do a side hustle? How can I get my mind right for that when that's not what I know? So there are some things out there. There are some objective tools. There are assessments. And one assessment that I took was the DISC assessment. Now, the DISC assessment is an assessment formulated by Dr. William Martson. He was a behavioral psychologist in the 20s and 30s. And he said that all humans have four distinct behavioral characteristics. And he gave them letters, the D, the I, the S, and the C. The D is for decisiveness, is how you deal with problems. I is interactive. It's how you connect with people. S is for stability and how you pace yourself in your environment. And C is for cautiousness, is how you deal with rules, standards, and procedures. So the DISC gives you an awareness of your behavioral tendencies. It allows you to begin to understand, okay, I might act this way for these reasons, or this is why I think the way I think. And I was introduced to this by Dr. Eric Thomas, one, he's the number one motivational speaker in the world. Yeah, I like and, that guy. <laughs> yeah. And now Eric Thomas is one of my mentors, one of the people that I have connection with. And just meeting with him, talking to him, learning from him, the disc changed his life. It gave him a, a better insight of how to deal with those around him, how to communicate. And so if you're listening out there, 
you may want to start there. There are other, there are two other assessments and there first, there's a lot of assessments out there, a lot of personality assessment, a lot of profiles, but these three really help me see who I am and help train my mindset. The next assessment after that one is the values. The values talks about what drives us, what motivates us. Now, when you talked about some people add so much value that they take from them all, their own selves, those are people that we would call high altruist. They are working so much or giving so much that they'll give the shirt off their back. I'm high economic. I'm looking for return on time, return on investment, return on energy. There are other people that are high individualistic, which means they're looking at what's my role? Where am I at? Knowing what drives you, what you're passionate about will help push you forward in your journey. The others, the last one is the attributes. The attributes talks about your order of thought. How do you process information? For me, my highest one externally is systems judgment. So when I look at a situation, we're going to package all three of these together really quick. Say if I look at a real estate deal. I want to buy another rental property. When I look at that rental property, my order of thought starts with systems judgment. So what process do I have to go through in order to make this deal work? Next, since I'm high economic in my values, now I'm looking at what's the return on the investment and the time it's going to take for that property. And lastly, my disc, I am a high D, which is decisiveness. When I'm passionate about something, I make decisions quickly. So now I know that if this deal works, let me go ahead and make a decision so I don't lose it. That is how I look through that lens, everything in my life. Before I didn't, before the assessments, I didn't have that awareness. Maybe I would just do something. But now that I can break it down into a systematic approach, because that's, that complements my order of thought, I can make great decisions about money about my marriage, about how I parent my kids, about how I communicate with those around me. Because now I have awareness that I have my preferences. I know that other people have their preferences. So I match them where they are. I treat them how they want to be treated. And the other way to get your mind right is books. If you don't want to pay for a $5,000 mentor, get you a $14.99 book. Because a lot of these great people, your greats, your most successful people have written things down in books, their lives, their, their life story, the biographies. I went to a training one time with a guy and he said, I used to sell this training about 10 years ago for $15,000 a seat for four hour training. I put everything from that training in this book hmm. and people won't even buy it. Well, some The people who are motivated buy it. So let me rephrase that. It's a bestseller. So people buy it. The people who say they want it won't even buy it. <laughs> so they don't want to pay them 15 grand, but they don't want to pay them 15.99 either to get the same information. So if you're listening out there, get into books, read. If you are a profuse, if you are addicted to reading, your life will change. It's a guarantee. All you have to do is apply the information. And it goes back to what you said earlier is to just start reading as soon as you get excited about it. And that's one of the things that um, a lot of people aren't willing to do is to read. I mean, granted they listen to the show, but I try to share a lot of things and make sure that people get out there and try to learn a little bit more than what this show has to offer. I mean, only can do but so much within the hour. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, another thing to that is Jim Rohn, you, he always said that I can tell a person's bank account, how much is in their bank account by what their library looks like. A lot of people have bigger TVs than they have bigger libraries, but the library is where it's at. And he also used to say way back there, library card is free. It is. <laughs> and, and at that point, that was for what they had. But now we have access to the Internet, which has access to the world. You can get books from nearly anywhere. You can go on YouTube. And, you know, I'm a person, I like physical books. I like to read. I like to buy my books. 
But there are resources out there. If you say, hey, I just can't buy, I can't afford it, go look the book up on YouTube. Somebody probably has took taken the audio recording and put it there. And that's just truth. That's how I did my, <laughs> a lot of my reading. I actually look for read-alongs. Yep. So there, there are avenues you have to get beyond the thinking of difficulty and start solving problems. We have great intentions. Humans have great intentions. It's getting around and actually executing on your intentions that will change your life. We're intellectually lazy. However, that can be modified and changed. All of these things can be changed. The people that you love, the people that you think are successful, the people that we all look at, they, not all of them came from, and most of them did not come from the best background. They made a conscious, deliberate effort, as Les Brown would say, to make a change. And so if you're listening, no matter where you are in life, you can make a change. Colonel Sanders ain't started KFC until he was in his 70s. Many of our entrepreneurs suffered, failed, went bankrupt multiple times. Walt Disney almost went crazy. But they overcame. Thomas Edison, thousand tries on the light bulb. You, This thing is a journey. It's a battle. And it's uphill. But when you make it, and I don't say that you make it as in you stop. Once you peak and you know that you can be successful, then you can find success in other areas of your life, whether it's business, whether it's family. You can have an abundant life no matter what area you're targeting. You just have to know that you got to grind to get there and put principles in place. Dr. Miles Monroe talked about a lot about the manufacturer and in his, you know, his site, God is the manufacturer. And the manufacturer, when they give you a product, they give you a rule, rule sheet for him. The manufacturer, God, the rule, the Bible. You follow the principles. So if you are talking about relationships, there are principles in relationship. There are principles in business. Figure out what the manufacturer says. Look in the rule book or the manual and follow the principles. There's a principle to personal development. There's a principle to business development. There are guides to money. Money is just a tool. And it can be a great slave or servant, but a terrible master. So you have to know the rules of the money game, the financial game. How does money work? And I know you talked about this early on in the beginning. That is where we suffer a lot because at a young age, we're not taught the rules of money. And we lose those principles. So we're starting behind. But once you learn, you can turn that thing around quickly. Right. I mean, I couldn't say it any better than that. So, <laughs> All right. So um, the third segment, I'm going to just kind of roll through because I know we can sit here on the mindset thing forever, for hours. Forever. <laughs> so for the third segment, let's talk about uh, the future for you, your family, and also your business. Uh, what do you plan on? Uh, where do you see yourself going forward? Okay, so business-wise, I can make that real short and sweet. I decided to lower my standing, my brand, to join with two other partners to create at Leadership and Management Consulting. And so where we're trying to take that is two segments. One is for small business owners and entrepreneurs to help guide them through the process of starting, growing, and scaling their business. And then our other avenue in that is corporate work. So we're talking leadership development, systems development, um, team engagement, and just helping them communicate more effectively. That's where we're trying to really launch and grow that business. And the decision for me to not do it on my own was one, I did real estate on my own for, for and still do. And it's a lot of work. And I see now with the assessments I took, that I have some talents and I have non-talents. And I wanted to partner with people who had talents in the areas where I, where I wasn't so talented. And real quick, just to throw this in, mindset again, utilize words that build you up, but don't tear you down. So I don't use strengths and weakness. I don't use limitation. I just have a non-talent in that area. We're all blessed with gifts. And what happens is we get stressed because we try to operate in a gift that's not ours. I used to get so upset because I 
couldn't sing like everybody else. That's not my talent. <laughs> it's not. You wanted talent. to be a singer instead of a motivational. And sometimes I wanted. To, I still want to sing sometimes because I love music, and my family sings, and they had gospel group, and you know I played the drums, and so you know I wanted to sing too, but right. that's not my talent. And once we focus in on our talent, we can then begin to work at at a high level in what we do. So in that company, we're going to grow in our work and what I do. I also took the model from Eric Thomas. Everybody knows ET. Everybody sees ET. But people don't talk about CJ and Carl. They are the people behind the brand. CJ runs the business. He is the business decision maker. ET says all the time when people listen, CJ made me a household name. Carl did all the video editing in the beginning when they first did the Thank God It's Monday, way back when people didn't get on YouTube. Carl was the one that edited the videos. He was the one that was the support. ET was the I, the interactive, the people, the motivator. CJ was the D, the dominant, the decisive person, the business person. Carl was the S, the stable, the support. So when I looked at that model, I said, okay, I need something similar to that because all the burden won't be on me and we can all work in our talent. So that's where the business is going. For my family, I am what we call, of course, you know, in every business, they have systems, they have processes. For family, I wanted to create a life operating procedure. How can I model my mindset take the things that I learn and apply it in my family life? How can I make sure I'm pouring back into my wife, into my children? How can I add value to their lives? How can I meet their needs and their wants? And so every day is a constant day of thinking, reading, applying information in order to make those life changes. And for as far as where do I see myself going is building this business, continue to hone in on my expertise and then as I generate wealth, set my children up and their children and their children. And the Bible says a, a wise man sets up for his children's children, for the wealth, that knowledge, that generational wealth, that passed down. So I want my children's children's children to be wealthy based on knowledge and just understanding the rules. And then I want to add value back. I've always had a goal of having a community center where people can come in and get the resources they need. Kids can come get tutoring. People can come get job training and just be able to change the dynamics of their life because we're stuck in paradigms and we repeat those paradigms. And when we come up against new situations, most people just revert back to that paradigm that they're living in. Even with my Section 8 tenants, some of them are trapped in the Section 8 mentality. This is all that I have. This is what my mama had. And they're raising their kids to be on Section 8. That doesn't have to be that paradigm. You can shift it. It's Bob Proctor that talks about shifting paradigms all the time. And so there is a way out of this. You have to interrupt the pattern. You have to change the model. And we can do that. Um, I think it's Charles Dury has a book called The Power of Habit that talks about how do you break habits? How do you change habits because you never get rid of a habit what you have to do is replace a bad habit with a with a good habit if you don't do that you're going to always keep up with that habit so um those are the things i'm working on that's where i'm going you see i love to drop books because i want people to go get that information there's a book i'm reading right now called triggers by marshall goldsmith i heard about that one triggers talks about how your external environment triggers you and your behavior and how do you change that how do you not let an argument between your spouse blow up when you get triggered in that environment? What are the things that you can change by just taking a second to think? Our subconscious mind controls most of our day. It does all of our process and all of our thinking. Even when we think we're thinking consciously and logically, we're not. The subconscious mind has already made a decision and starts to push you that way. However, you can begin to train your subconscious mind once you gain awareness. And so you start to put information into your brain 
that filters down into your subconscious mind. And now you begin to be able to respond differently to the triggers, respond differently, change habits, make new decisions. I'm a big proponent of studying um, behavior. Right now, I'm studying behavioral economics because the decision-making of how people purchase things, all the things around us, advertisement, colors, commercials, those things are designed in a way to touch your subconscious mind and get you to make a decision. Once you become aware of that, you're able to make changes. Yeah, I didn't want to dive into that because that is something that I've been uh, looking into as well as far as the behavioral approaches. Um, basic. Because the first thing you always think about when it came to that was the grocery store. They put all your produce and everything like that on the outer perimeters, the stuff that is healthy for you, yep. all the stuff that is unhealthy for you in the center. And then they make sure that the international stuff is kind of like squeezed in there somewhere or in the far back of it because it's actually a lot better. Um, but they cost jack the price up. But we can dive into that another. Yeah, we, <laughs> we got to come back and talk about that one because that would be fun to talk about. Absolutely. Um, all right. Is there anything left before we get, dive into the final four questions that you want to share with the audience? So again, I just want to repeat, you can change your situation, your life, no matter where you are today. And when you think of when I think about wealth and finances, I only want to be comfortable. I'm not saying don't, what I'm saying is don't chase money for the sake of just having money, have a goal of what you're going to do with that tool. Because if money is your sole focus, it will elude you. You will never reach that point. If you chase adding value to people, if you chase problem solving, if you chase and love the process, then money is a byproduct or money is a result of the process. So you can be wealthy. Uh, Jim Rohn talked about all the time. Don't think about how much money you make. Just think about how much value you can be. And the money will return to you. So wealth is great, but make sure you get into wealth for the right reasons and understand that full wealth encompasses more than just a dollar. Again, this guy's dropping so many gems. I'm running out of bags to hold them. So final four questions. What does wealth mean to you, sir? So wealth means to me, financial wealth and stability, health, because again, I was diagnosed with a medical condition, um, a disability. And right now I am just getting to a healthy point, I would say in my life. So health, family, because our personal relationships, if we don't have those right, nothing else really truly matters. Faith, whatever you believe, whatever denomination, whatever ideas you have but something that is of more than just yourself those things are what i include in overall wealth so faith wealth money or finances family fitness and health what is your favorite financial book or non-financial book so my favorite book i would have to say um is the bible because finances, health, wealth, family, life, everything is encompassed there. And I studied religion years and years ago, very heavy into it. And what I have learned is that when I read the Bible, all the principles that I see in all the other books that I read, I can trace it right back there. I can take any book, any principle, no matter what it is, and I can go get it out of the Bible. So that is my all-time favorite book for everything that, that's my blueprint. I know my manufacturer, so I need to work in the manual because the manufacturer gives you a warranty. And as I'm in that book, I see those promises, that warranty. And it's not going to work out just for me because of me. It's going to work out because the manufacturer doesn't want a bad reputation. So for his name's sake, this going to work. All right. <laughs> what is your worst money mistake? Oh, man. Putting money out 
before understanding how I was going to get it back. And not even how I was going to get it back, but counting on the return that may or may not have happened. So real estate is a huge one for this. So if you are out there thinking about getting into real estate, you have to know how you're going to exit your exit strategy of the deal. And you need to know your numbers because you can put a lot of money into a deal. And if you don't know the numbers, you will lose all of your money. And it's gone. Stock <laughs> <laughs> market is the same way. Don't hedge your bets on things that are fly by night. You have to be disciplined. I love um, on Shark Tank. I love Kevin O'Leary because he talks about being disciplined with money. They're soldiers. They need to go back. They need to capture some friends and bring them back to them. If you don't see that avenue, be careful. And so my biggest money mistake was putting a lot of money into a real estate deal and not getting it back. Wow. He's very active on um, on Instagram too. So those of you who don't follow him, follow him on Instagram. It's hilarious. All right. My final question. Are you team pie or team cake? So I don't eat a whole lot of sweets. Um, but if I do choose, if I have, oh my goodness, if I had to choose one, because my grandma makes a great sweet potato pie and she makes a great pound cake. So I'm going to go with a sweet potato pie. So I'll, I'll say team pie. Hey, there we go. All right, folks. Again, this is Tyrus from ACT Leadership and Management Consulting. Um, where can people find you all around on the internet? So again, I decided to let my brand go. So you can find our company around the internet at at act lead consult. And that's on all social media, A-C-T-L-E-A-D-C-O-N-S-U-L-T, act lead consult. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We do a weekly show on Rise and Fall where we cover, and we're actually doing this every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, where we cover companies that have risen, hit some roadblocks, will they fall or will they continue to rise? And so you can find us there. And on our website is actleadconsulting.com. And our email is info at actleadconsulting.com. All right. Thanks again, Tyrus. And... For the folks that are out there, make sure that I know you probably ran out a lot of paper, um, but please, please play this again and again and again to make sure you got the right information. Make sure that you found your blueprint, found your manuscript, uh, because we always are lost at some times and we just need to come back to a foundation. Um, so there you go, folks. All right. Thank you, Anthony. I definitely appreciate the invite you having me on your show, sharing your audience with me. I, I pray that the information that we discussed and share will be useful and that it, they apply it. Knowledge is great to have, but applied knowledge is what we're looking for. There you go. Well, that concludes this episode of About That Wallet. I hope this topic was helpful. If you want to get the latest episodes, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Remember, it is your duty to know about that wallet. Take care. Be safe. I'm out. Peace. Peace.